Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers, the show where we dig a little bit deeper to understand what really matters most in business. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a senior director of valuation services at Pine Hill Group. Today, we're going to be talking about estate planning and business planning, and I'm pleased to welcome my special guest, Andrew Haas, who is a partner at Blank Rome. Andrew, thanks for joining me on Behind the Numbers. Pleasure to be here, Dave. Thanks very much. Uh, awesome. Before we dive into the, the matter, so to speak, why don't you just tell the audience very briefly a little bit about you, your background, and your firm? Sure. So I am a partner at the firm Blank Rome in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, my practice is tax, estate, and business planning, and we call that our private client group at the firm. Um, that group is part of a larger tax benefits and private client group, um, which makes up one of the many groups in our full service firm. And a little bit about Blank Rome. Blank Rome is a national firm that was founded in Philadelphia. We have 13 offices, 600 attorneys, and like I said, it's a full service firm. So, um, and that's especially important with the estate planning world because, as you know, people's wealth comes in all different shapes and sizes. So sometimes we need to rely on uh, subject matter experts in other areas uh, to assist as part of the estate planning process. Sure. So, so let's dive in and maybe dispel one of the myths that people may have about estate planning, and that mm -hmm. being that estate planning is really only for the, the super wealthy. Yeah, I do get that quite a bit, and sometimes people say, well, I can just get a will on LegalZoom or something like that, and I don't need to go to an estate planning attorney. And, and the answer is really that you need a customized estate plan. An estate plan is not just a will. It requires a coordination of multiple things because the assets that people accumulate have different characteristics. You can have assets that are um, controlled by different operating agreements. You could have assets that are controlled by how they're titled. Um, you can have assets that are controlled by a beneficiary designation. And then you have the assets that uh, are controlled uh, by your will, the individual assets. So um, a, a true estate plan is not simply a document, not simply a will. It's the coordination of everything. So um, that's really why it's very important for everyone to have um, an estate plan um, broadly, but a, a specifically a will as well. Okay, so we, you touched on a will, mm -hmm. but there are other documents that should be a part of everybody's estate planning process, right? Could you share those? Sure. So, like I said, the will controls your individual assets. So, if I own um, a bank account that's in my name and I die, my will will tell, um, tell the executors or the administrators of my estate how that uh, asset gets distributed. Um, Along with that, there are documents that we have um, that are critical that deal with um, the period during an individual's lifetime. So if there is, for example, an incapacity, so the individual hasn't passed away, but there is um, an inability for them to administer their own assets, uh, and that document is what we call a power of attorney. And powers of attorney can be durable or they can be springing, and that just means that a durable document is one that uh, is in effect immediately and carries on its uh, ability to function throughout incapacity, whereas a springing power of attorney is one that um, only becomes uh, active once an individual is declared incapacitated. The other documents that we talk about in the estate plan are healthcare documents. So obviously, if an individual is unable to authorize medical treatments, we want to have a healthcare power of attorney. And then ultimately, um, we also talk about a living will, which is the document that controls um, end-of-life decision-making. So really, the, between the will, the durable power of attorney, or the power of attorney, the healthcare power of attorney, and living will, those are sort of your foundation 
um, basic estate planning documents that every individual should have. Yeah, because you don't want to leave these things to chance, right? I mean, so many people, I would imagine, get into that, that horrible situation where they're now faced with some kind of crisis and there are no documents and what do you do? Who do you, who do you rely on? So important to get this stuff done up front while you have your faculties, right? Absolutely, yeah. And it's something that um, is sort of a living, breathing thing. None of the documents that I mentioned are um, what we call irrevocable, which means that you can change them at any time. So even if you have some things that you're not necessarily 100% sure of, it still makes sense to have those documents in place and you can revisit them and amend them um, over the course of your life. And you know, from my perspective, we always recommend an estate plan gets reviewed every three to five years or upon the occurrence of any sort of um, significant life-altering event. Right. The show is called Behind the Numbers, but I want to just touch on some numbers very, very quickly here, and that is limitations that the audience should be aware of with regard to estate planning. Sure. So when we talk about numbers and estate planning, we're really talking about taxes, because a lot of the underlying decisions that we make um, in the estate planning world are really driven by taxes. And that's especially important when you get to the affluent or high net worth individuals where um, they're really looking in and focusing on the tax impact of the decisions that they make. So um, there are multiple taxes, both income taxes and what we call transfer taxes that are in play in estate planning. Um, so and if an individual gives something away during their lifetime, there is a potential transfer tax that is imposed. And, um, you may have heard of the annual exclusion amount, which is the amount that any individual can give to any other individual during their lifetime each year, and uh, that amount is currently $15,000. So that number is indexed annually for inflation, and Congress reviews that, and it only increases by $1,000, so it takes a couple years before it moves up to, uh, to the next $1,000 number. Then you have your lifetime estate or gift tax exemption, and that is a federal number. So this is dealing with a federal tax, and that number is tied into our estate tax, sometimes referred to as a unified credit. So each individual in 2019 under current law has the ability to gift or transfer at death an amount equal to $11.4 million. And for a husband and wife, that number is doubled because it's per individual. So you have $22.8 million for um, spouses that can transfer either during life or at death without being subject to a, f a federal transfer tax. And that transfer tax rate above that amount is 40%. So it's significant. It's, it's right now higher than an income tax rate. So people obviously look at that number and say, well, how do I mitigate that tax at my death? And that's a lot of what we do as yeah. part of estate planning. When is it more advantageous to gift during someone's lifetime? So the best assets to gift are ones that have a chance of appreciating the largest in value. And the most common asset that we see that, that has that ability is an interest in a business. Clients um, often start a business at a low value, they haven't yet developed it, it to a certain level, or they're at a point where they realize that this, this business could take off. And that's a great time to take a part of that business, move it out of the estate, move it into a trust, which we can certainly talk about as well, um, and use that as a mechanism to get that appreciation out of their estate. Okay. Do you want to touch on trust? There's, I know there's a lot of different types of trust. Maybe uh, give somebody a, the, the thumbnail cheat sheet of how to think about that. Sure. So that's a common question I get when I'm talking to clients. They, 
they say, well, I don't really know what a trust is or I don't want my children to be trust fund babies. And so I spend a lot of time sort of dispelling that myth and that rumor. And, and really a trust at its simplest form is just an agreement between the creator of the trust, which is referred to as the settlor or the grantor, and the trustee, who's the person that's charged with administering the document pursuant to its terms. And then you have the trust agreement itself, which lays out the provisions for how the trust gets administered, who the beneficiaries are, how they get access to the money, what the restrictions are with regard to how the assets get invested. Um, so that's really it. And it's sort of like creating your own little world. So the client can create a trust for the benefit of a child, for example, that says, you know, I, I want the trust to be there for the benefit of the child, but I don't want them to be relying on the trust. It's not like the trust is going to be the child's only source of income and it's going to make them unmotivated to go out and get a job, be active, or, you know, have a traditional, you know, work life experience. Um, so, you know, I, I usually talk about that with clients and say there are benefits not only from a motivation standpoint to hold assets back from a, from a child, but also there are other benefits for trusts, such as um, protection from creditors, protection from uh, in the unlikely event or you know potential event of a divorce. You have um, you know if an inheritance comes into an individual and they're married and they commingle that asset, that asset then becomes a marital asset, which could potentially be divided um, equitably during a divorce proceeding. So holding assets in trust for the benefit of child generally um, prevents those assets from being subject to a divorce. So that's. A big, um, a big concept that resonates well with clients is sort of that let's at least hold assets in trust until you know a child may go through sort of that typical first marriage time period, yep. and uh, and so that you know generally clients will warm up to that. And I always start and recommend assets being held in trust as they pass from the, to the next generation, and kind of work with the client and, and sort of make them convince me why it shouldn't be in trust. Gotcha. We've got to take a break, but real quick, Andrew, tell people how they can contact you if they want to learn more about this topic. Sure. So uh, my firm has a website. It's blankrome.com, B-L-A-N-K-R-O-M-E.com, and you can reach me directly. My email address is my last name, H-A-A-S, then a dash or a hyphen, first initial A, at blankrome.com. Great. Thank you. On that note, we're going to take a very quick commercial break. Don't go away. We'll be right back with my guest, Andrew Haas. and companies' brand awareness. But what is your brand? According to Forbes, it's a combination of your logo, your product, your design and feel, and your personality. Did you know that aside from being a guest, we offer even more opportunity to boost your brand? Adding your company logo and website on screen during your interview will allow viewers to recognize your brand instantly. Incorporating images and video clips is another great way to showcase your product during your live segment. Let viewers see how good you really are. And most importantly, there's you and your interview. For less than the cost of a newspaper, direct mail, or a magazine ad, you can leave our studio and within 48 hours have a permanent digital copy of your live segment to link to your social media, embed into your company website, or use in email marketing. Investing in your brand is so very important, and we can't wait to have you as a guest. Shelter dogs aren't broken. 
they've simply experienced more life. If they were human, we would call them wise. They would be the ones with tales to tell and stories to write. The ones dealt a bad hand who responded with courage. Do not pity a shelter dog. Adopt one. Say we've got grit, and we'll take it as a compliment. Because it's our uncommon drive, our spark within, that brings us together and sets us apart. We are temple made. And when others take shortcuts, when others take breaks, when others take the easy way, we take charge. I work 13 hours a day, six days a week. So when I'm off the clock, I gotta get stuff done. So when I need a snack, I need something healthy, tasty, and easy to eat. Like wonderful pistachios without the shells. Hi everyone, welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder. My guest is Andrew Haas from Blank Rome, and today we're talking about estate planning. Andrew, in the first segment, we spent a lot of time talking about estate planning in general for the benefit of the individuals, if you will, watching. Mm -hmm. Let's shift the conversation more towards a business aspect. And let's talk about estate planning in the business realm, business owners, folks in business. Sure, and that segment of, of the clients is really where I focus my practice. Uh, the business owner has specific needs and concerns around estate planning um, that require a sort of a, a special subsection of estate planning work. And you know, the real sort of big picture concept is people's wealth is comprised of many different assets, but ultimately when you're talking about high net worth individuals, they typically have uh, a business interest that drives the entire, the, the large portion of their sort of bottom line. And when you're starting the discussion with the client about, okay, you have this business, probably something that they started from scratch, probably something that they've um, spent their, you know, a large portion of their adult life building up um, in value. They're, they sort of use it, you know, potentially as their piggy bank for all of their sort of day-to-day -day expenses. Uh, they may, you know, have their healthcare running through it. They may have their cars and phones and all those things. And you start talking about, okay, what if that asset wasn't there and instead we had, you know, a large ch chunk of money in a bank account? How does that change your day-to-day um, -day operations? How does that change your lifestyle? Do you, how do you calculate sort of what the value um, that you're going to need to be able to live comfortably for the remainder of your life? So it's really a discussion and, and it really requires the coordination of experts around the table, around the sort of the estate planning table. So when we talk about that, we're talking about, you know, the accountants, the financial advisors, perhaps there's a life insurance professional that's involved. Those are really the people that are all part of this discussion. And so you talk to the client and you say, okay, there's, you know, sort of the exit strategy, which is let's sell this business, in which case we start talking about pre-exit planning, or there's let's let's look at transitioning this business perhaps to a younger generation or perhaps to a key you know, employee that you trust and want to give them control. And when we're talking about planning for the business, the real, there's two components involved. There's the control or the sort of voting shares and then there's also the equity. And 
a traditional business plan, succession plan, requires potentially dividing those two aspects because the equity is really what is the bottom line number that affects and impacts the taxes, but the control is really what the client's focusing on. Who's going to be the person that's going to be in charge of this? Who's going to be paying, you know, potentially their payroll and their, you know, their salary as they go off into retirement if they're going to continue with the business? Um, and and so it's it's really sort of understanding the business as a whole and what the operations are and who the people are that are involved. Um, so it's not sort of a one size fits all. And, uh, and it really requires not only knowing the client, knowing their family, but also really know, under, knowing and understanding the business. Yeah, and what you said resonates a lot. And, you know, in my world as a valuation professional, I help clients with valuing their business interests, sometimes for estate planning purposes. And I've interviewed a number of investment bankers on this program. And a recurring theme around exit planning with business owners is they're reluctant to think about it and do it because they don't know what they're going to do next. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get your perspective. What do you see when you're talking to business owners about exit planning? Are they hesitant to be thinking about that? Yes. I, I think especially when it's, you know, first generation business and they've built it from scratch, they're, 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 it's part of their life. It's, it's really their day-to-day -day operations. It's part of who they are and, and, and they see, you know, their blood, sweat and tears in that business and it's really hard for them to imagine a life without that. Um, so, and I think it's the mentality of the business owner. They have that, they have that you know, spirit and drive that, that really um, made them successful in the first place, and it's hard to kind of see where they go from there. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's different ways. Obviously, you talk to you know, the, the M&A attorneys and the investment bankers on, on your programs about sort of keeping some sort of equity involved so they f you know they may have an exit but they may have you know some sort of trailing equity interest or may have some sort of involvement going forward in the business um, that may be a way for them to have some continual tie with the business even after sort of the the first liquidity or exit event yeah. um, and then you know they, they may be able to um, just look at sort of a a full financial plan and say okay if we took this business that's generating X amount of dollars and all of your living expenses and out of it that's this, and we put that in a liquid portfolio and we invest it and it returns an average return of, it, of Y, that those numbers may line up and the client may say, okay, I feel comfortable um, you know, with those numbers and you know, I'll work on my golf game and I'll you know, find, a, find a nice vacation home and, and that'll be good. But it's a, it's a tough decision. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly a discussion and it's not you know, a one meeting and we're done sort of thing. It's an evolving process that, that Usually when we talk about a business transition, we're talking about at least a year of planning, if not more. So it's, it's not only getting the business ready for a sale or an exit, but it's also making sure that the business is owned appropriately so that the proceeds from the sale will find the right buckets, whether that's the individual, whether that's trust that we set up with that have been transferred business interest to it so that um, there's not too much liquidity coming into the, the individual's estate that may ultimately be taxed at that 40% federal tax. Let's talk a little bit about stock options. Mm -hmm. What are the nuances that uh, folks who have stock options need to be thinking about with regard to estate planning? Sure. So in addition to working with business owners, obviously there are 
executives that are also um, a part of that sort of successful high net worth individuals. And stock options are, you know, the ability for those executives to be incentivized and to receive as part of their compensation package, um, you know, the ability to, to receive that public stock or, or stock options um, at um, at a current value at a value under the under the option agreement. So the potential benefit there is that you're getting this stock at a future value at a discounted price. So that's a good asset potentially to um, move and and uh, and transfer to potentially a trust or some other vehicle that would allow that option to be exercised in a different location that may benefit the uh, the executive and help you know make sure that the assets are being done are being received in the appropriate manner or given the value that they would be at that time. Gotcha. For our audience who wants to contact you, what's the best way to get a hold of Andrew Haas? Sure. Uh, again, Blank Rome is the website, um, B-L-A-N-K-R-O-M-E dot com. And the best way to get to me is my email, H-A-A-S-A at blankrome dot com. You also help professional athletes in, in this high net worth individual world. And I imagine they're somewhat unique animals, so to speak. Talk a little bit about what it's like to work with professional athletes in this realm. Sure. So when I sit down with a professional athlete, I really impress upon them that I'm not really interacting with them as an individual, but them sort of as a business. And I fill the role as their general counsel. So I really want them to, real, to utilize my services uh, for anything legal. I say, you know, essentially anything other than an autograph that you're signing, I need to see first. So they have that understanding that um, while I am sort of the estate planning professional in that group. I also have the ability, like I said, with my firm to handle any other legal need that may come up. So for example, they may be entering into a lease in another state because that's where they are, um, that's where their team is located, but we don't necessarily want them to be considered a resident of that state. So I'd have the lease reviewed by my real estate folks, or perhaps there is um, family law issues that may come up. So Blank Rome has one of the top matrimonial groups in the country. Um, so we often rely on them to be able to assist us with our professional athletes. And then there's obviously endorsement deals and other agreements that are going on that need to be reviewed. Uh, and we work with um, you know, the representation for the, for the athlete as well to make sure that that is handled appropriately. So it's really uh, a very complex um, legal need that the professional athletes have, but at the center of it really is sort of the estate plan and making sure that the dollars that they're receiving are in the correct bucket and, and are protected appropriately from them, from their entourages, from um, you know, potential uh, predators, for lack of a better term, um, that they may have to uh, deal with as part of um, their public nature. Yeah, all too often you hear about uh, athletes and entertainers who were swindled in investment deals that sounded too good to be true and uh, wealth is squandered and that, that's tough to hear. Right, you wanna make sure that they have you know, a, a level of protection around them so that those, yeah. those uh, potential deals are being reviewed by the appropriate people so that that doesn't happen. Yeah, we've got about, I think, two minutes left to go in the program, but sure. one thing I wanted to ask you to touch on is in this family dynamic relationship, how do you get a business owner to understand that there may not necessarily be a family member who's able to transition to being a leader in the business? Yeah, and that, that happens quite a bit. Um, or 
there's uh, the option that there may be a family member that they think is ready, they, th they think is a good person to take over the business, but they're not ready yet. Yes, yeah, so in your role as attorney and psychologist, how do you, how do you help them bridge that? Yeah, so uh, we, we have to plan for today. That's the key. You know, we have to assume worst case scenario, the client walks out of the door and, they, and something happens right away. So we have to have it set up so that the business is, is the succession for the business is handled as of day one. But again, like I said, it's a, it's, a, it's a living, breathing process, and that can be changed over time. So that's really a, a key fact that, that resonates with clients, is really that it's not uh, set in stone today. But having something in place, no matter what happens, um, you know, tomorrow or the next day, uh, is critical to make sure that at least that the, the planning is appropriate given the circumstances that we know today. Yeah, something you said in the first segment that really resonated was about having the team in place. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I've seen the movie so many times where people don't have their other advisors talking to one another and that usually ends poorly. Mm -hmm. uh, are you playing that role of quarterback for them? Clients generally gravitate toward one professional as part of that advisory team. And sometimes it's me, other times it's the accountant if the accountant is working with the business very closely. Uh, other times it's the financial advisor if, if their assets are generally liquid. So um, the client generally picks who they gravitate towards and then the team around them sort of supports that and understands that. So I certainly can play the quarterback role and I do enjoy that, but it's up to the client and what they decide. Gotcha. So in like the next minute that we have. Sure. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that the audience needs to be aware of? Because admittedly, this is not my wheelhouse in estate planning. Well, I mean, I think the, the, the key is that if you don't have an estate plan or you feel overwhelmed by it, is to just start the conversation. Because it really is critical to have something in place because a death is really a traumatic time for the family. And if there isn't a plan in place, it adds additional stress on perhaps the financial side in addition to the emotional side. So you really need to have um, something in place. And I think everyone needs um, a will, obviously, but uh, I think everyone needs the additional estate planning documents that I mentioned as well. And, uh, and you know, like, like the saying is, uh, nothing is certain except death and taxes. And, and that's, that's really my world. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's why I think it's you know, critical that, that everyone gets their estate plan in order. Well said. And I think on that note, we're going to wrap here. Thank you, Andrew, for being my guest. My guest today on Behind the Numbers was Andrew Haas of Blank Rome. Uh, the key theme that we keep hearing on this program is planning. Planning is absolutely mission critical. And with the states, it's no different. So until next time on Behind the Numbers, take care. I'm Dave Bookbinder.